Mike Rouse, thanks for coming to be in conversation. When you set out on the lamb from London, not having bothered to find out whether you've got a degree yet or not, where, where were you actually headed? I thought I'd failed my degree. And so I thought, okay, that's me destined for a real bum job. Boring, uh, wife, two kids, mortgage. I might be traveling by the time I'm 50 if I'm lucky. Right. No, I don't accept that. So I was going to go round the world um, with Hong Kong as the first sort of interim target destination. So Hong Kong was already on your, on your mental map. Why was that? For several reasons. One, my mum's my second husband was a former Hong Kong policeman. Okay. Okay, a Chinese right. policeman. Yes, he'd left the police force for various reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so I wondered why you got a job with the ICAC. Yeah, <laughs> inside track. Yeah. The, uh, he'd left the police force. He went to the UK and ran a fish and chip shop with a Chinese takeaway right. as well. So uh, that's where my mum met him and they married and he made her very happy. So I, I knew some people from Hong Kong and my okay. last girlfriend in the UK was a Chinese girl from Hong Kong. Okay, so and you, you got here and, and you fetched up working for the star. The first job I had was actually for six, seven weeks was teaching English. Right. But I'd always wanted to be a, a reporter. Mm. So I thought, well, I don't know anyone in any of the newspapers here. Um, so I walked into the star office and the editor came out and uh, there was a big tall Australian guy and he looked down at me and he said, what do you want? And I looked up at him and said, a job. And he said, what can you do? I can't do the accents. I said, yeah. And then I said, write English. And he said, start tomorrow. And just went from there. And so you were covering, because corruption was a big story in 72, and you were covering those stories, and that's what seduced you to go for the ICAC? I mean, how, how did that work? This friend of my stepfather, who I did find, he put me up. I slept on his couch for three weeks. In fact, that was my first residential address and through him got to meet some other policemen and policemen who interestingly were angry about the corruption okay. that was going on in Hong Kong and were feeding me tidbits about it so I ended up writing a lot of stories about right. police corruption in particular um, and you know in, were, uh, you ever, were you ever on the trail of a big one? Oh yeah lots of times we, yeah. we, 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 the photographer went to the roof of what until recently was the LegCo building, but had previously been the Supreme Court, if right, you remember, yeah. The, yeah. the building in Central. Because the minibuses, the red minibuses, used to queue up there, yeah. uh, just opposite HSBC, yeah. and every minibus that left the rank would pay cash through the window to the police sergeant who was uh, in charge of the traffic. Wow. And we got photos of the police, uh, of the money, changing hands. And it was, we, we, we just covered a lot of corruption stories. And then when the ICAC was set up, um, uh, announced, I thought, okay, well, I can carry on writing stories about police corruption and, <laughs> write, and encouraging the ICAC to get to grips with it and so on. Or I can put my hand up and say, uh, okay, I'll right. go. I mean, th it's, a, it's a rugged way to put it, but were they in that sense desperate to find people who were at least competent, could write English, and who would not have been tainted? by being part of the system. I think that's a very good way of putting it, actually. It, what we had was this uh, huge number of applications from 
naive, well-meaning people of, right. whom I, of whom I was one. Right. Um, and because I'd been about a bit, I wasn't mm. straight from college by then, and um, I was lucky enough. So why did you leave? I mean, was it rel relatively ful fulfilling? Or oh. did you get spooked by the police rebellion? No, no, no. It was, it was, it was very, very worthwhile. You really felt that you were doing something good mm. for the community. I spent three years in Ox, um, realized that I had no career prospects, and then by then I was too imbued in the civil service type life. By then I did have my wife and two kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then so I... Now, I wasn't actually qualified, just right. as I hadn't been qualified for either of my previous uh, So, I mean, is this all because you happen to be white, male, upright, and English-speaking at a time in Hong Kong when that was probably the biggest qualification of the lot? Uh, I, I didn't get that feeling. I mean, mm. in the star, my immediate boss was uh, uh, Robert Chow, mm. um, uh, who was actually a year younger than me. Right. So by the time I got into the ICAC and, uh, and later on the government, I had become used to having Chinese bosses mm. who were actually much cleverer than I was. Right. So I gracefully accepted my <laughs> position. <laughs> but it was a very uh, flexible way of treating my application. They said, well, let's not make a decision. Right. Let's see what he's like. Let's, let's, let's get him to sit the written exam and see right. how he does. And then there's this long gap where you're just trudging your way up through the system, or so it seems, before yeah, suddenly you hit the limelight. It was fabulous. I really, really enjoyed it. It was the right thing to do. What was the best job? Oh, it's impossible to say. The best job is always the last job. I think uh, Invest Hong Kong was the best job. It was my own department. It was a brand new department. I hired the people. I said how we would work. Uh, I, I applied it. If it didn't work, I changed it and did mm. something else. Uh, do you think it, it worked the trick? It did. We had fallen off people's radar screens around the world after 1997. Mm. Um, all people could remember was those armoured cars coming over the border in the pouring rain, right. you know, with the PLA standing rigid, up. Rigid, rigidly rigid in the back of their trucks, yeah. yeah. And uh, sort of, we just, it, people stopped thinking about Hong Kong. They, and then there was the, the bird flu and the chickens. That's all people saw. It was on three nights in a row on CNN, you know. Right. So we're... And I said to people, I said to the people who got them all together, and I said, look, Singapore has a good product mm. and outstanding PR. We have an outstanding product and terrible PR. All we've got to do is get our PR back to naught. Mm. <laughs> it can just, right. The product will then speak for itself. And we started off with that mindset in, in July 2000, and we did all kinds of crazy things. Um, I signed for the Fortune Global Forum. Right. to come to Hong Kong because they'd written that front page story about the death of Hong Kong right. uh, four or five years before. Uh, so when the guy was visiting, he's actually on his way to another city in Asia. And I said, no, no, I, give me the contract. Yeah, I'll sign it. So who are you? The pinnacle of fame and fortune. Absolutely. And the next thing that happens is Harbourfest. Well, no, I think timing-wise, <laughs> or maybe we're getting the time that, I had already by then done uh, Disney. Right. Uh, but is Disney, my, is, is Disney something you're really proud of? I mean, it seems absolutely. to be a bit of a, a sink for Hong Kong public money. No, nonsense. It's a huge success. Yeah, you're saying that, <laughs> but everybody else seems to think it's a big sink for no, public define, money. Uh, define everybody else. <laughs> I get stopped in the street by people who, with, with children mm. who say, I don't care what anyone says, that's the best thing you ever did. Right. But I am proud of Hong Kong Disneyland. I've been to all 11 theme parks in the world. 
uh, of Disney ones. Uh, mm. How would you rate it honestly? Of course, it's the best. <laughs> so, so now the honest answer. It's the best answer. because I did it. You're right. So now the honest <laughs> that answer. That makes it the best. How, how does it rate? Because people say it's a bit small. The range it's, of attractions is not quite... People, people forget mm. that the Disney deal runs for 100 years and covers three theme parks. Okay. And what we got on opening was less than half of the first one. So they're going to take over the entire Northland Tower. The real Northland Tower development is it's the extension actually, of Disney actually, infinitely. It's a magical place. Right. <laughs> and, and now we come to Harbour Fest. Now, you now say we you're come to Harbour Fest. really proud of it, but the yes. aftermath? The aftermath was pretty sordid, but I think the people concerned have all suffered one way or another since. Yes. Um, I, whereas I, who suffered at the time, mm. frankly, I things for me have just got better and better. Right. Uh, but um, has, I mean, the, the, it's not so much the people who dobbed you in, as it were. It's much more, presumably, the system itself, a system that encourages that way of saving the face of the bosses by crapping on I someone down at the bottom. That does worry me, because economic relaunch uh, after SARS mm. was so important and, in fact, so successful. Right. We were given a billion dollars. We, we spent 700 million of it. And 400 million of that went on tourism promotion. Um, but the, the point was that the second quarter of 2003 was dire economically. Mm. Empty yeah. restaurants, empty aircraft, uh, nobody going out for a, for a meal or taking a tax anywhere. The third quarter and fourth quarter was so strong, in part because of economic relaunch, yeah. That the full year result for 2003 was actually slightly higher than the budget forecast. So there you were, you, you triumphed in court. The people who had dobbed you in haven't really prospered. But what about the civil service? There, there surely must have been some serious effects for that. And it seemed to say, oh, this has no long-term precedent. To, to me, that's the most worrying thing of the whole episode. Because here was quite clearly a documented decision made by ministers, mm. several of them uh, acting together. And there was no question about what the decision was. It was in black and white. And that decision had been faithfully executed by civil servants, principally me, right. um, uh, in, in support of the American Chamber, which did a fabulous job. And I wouldn't want to do an interview like this without saying that okay. on the record. And the concerts themselves were very popular. They didn't all sell out. But that's what happens when you build a stadium for the Rolling Stones. You're not going to fill it for Jose Carreras. Right. So now let's get back to but the, the civil service. There it was. Yeah. As soon as it became a controversial subject, mm. the ministers basically ran away, um, disappeared over the horizon, and uh, sort of led, if that's the right word, by Henry. <laughs> when I, when right. I actually asked him, who is the minister for Harbour Fest, the reply was, stop dreaming. Um, uh, in is, 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 is that a bit Hong Kong culture? I mean, I've had a little bit of it myself, uh, where the idea seems to be that the boss units never make mistakes, and if one comes over the horizon, it's the, the lad who gets the flack and is supposed to bear it maybe and put up a, with it. Maybe it's a universal thing, mm -hmm. um, not, not peculiar to Hong Kong, 
right. uh, but it is certainly present in Hong Kong, and to some extent, that's okay. I mean, I was quite happy to go along to Ledgeco and be the pantomime villain, right? Um, so that all the uh, ill feeling could be directed towards me. I think Henry said, "You're my lightning conductor. I need you sitting, you know, beside me." Right. This sort of thing. That was fine. It was when they went a step further and took disciplinary action right. that I got angry. And I, I told them from the beginning, if you go ahead with this, mm. I will appeal and take the case right up to and including the Standing Committee of the National People's Congress. Right. I will sue you under the basic law when I've finished with the Hong Kong courts. And obviously he didn't believe me. They thought, oh, it's, it's just the kid from Hounslow, you know, he's mm. mouthing off again. Uh, but that's what happened. But the civil service backed them all the way. Uh, did you expect that? Did you expect more support from within the civil services uh, I had lots personnel of units? I had lots of support from within the civil service from individuals. Right. So have things changed? Do you think as a result of you winning that case, I, will I it ever happen again? Certain things have changed because the uh, certain procedural things they got clearly wrong. They were running an unlawful system. But I think the thing that hasn't changed, it's got worse in fact, is that civil servants now will duck uh, responsibility and, and look to put everything up to the minister. And of course the poor ministers are reeling back um, and, uh, and you have to explain in excruciating detail the pluses and minuses of every alternative. Right. So that the minister won't be able to say later, oh I didn't realise that it could go wrong like that. So it's slowed things down, I think it's made people even more cautious than so they you're were. You're actually saying that maybe that particular incident is, if not 100, some heavy percentage responsible for what everybody perceives as the Hong Kong government's increasing inability to decide anything. It certainly played a part because it was, such, it was so high profile, it was mm. so vivid. Do you think that, that the people who end up in these ministerial, these positions of responsibility, have they got the message that their, their own way of dealing with things has got to sharpen up? I think so. Some of them you can see, uh, I think, are performing very well. Um, some of the others maybe not so much, but that, that goes in down to their innate ability or, or lack thereof. Is uh, there a... I mean, that's an interesting point about, and you've been there, you've been watching it, Hong Kong's recruitment system for people of major political and economic responsibility, is it sound? Is there too much internal, I, don't think I got, know someone? I don't think we've got one. Okay. I think It's a bit like how you got your job on the star. It's I mean, very like Here that. is someone who knows someone Repeated who... Repeated 15 times after we had an election, and we need to appoint 15 ministers. Yeah. Okay, Mike, I'm, I'm going to shift track, and I'm not going to talk to you as this interesting citizen of China sitting opposite Absolutely. me. What made you make that decision? I guess the, the seed was planted in 1986. I went to uh, Beijing uh, with a delegation of expat civil servants and we met Lu Ping. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually discussed about the future and whether he wanted expat civil servants to stay or go. Mm -hmm. And we said, look, we understand history. If, you, if China wants us all to leave, we'll leave quietly and we won't make a fuss. Mm -hmm. We understand the wheels of history have turned and our, our day is over. Um, but if you want us to stay, can you make a clear message? All we want is a decision. And he was emphatic and unambiguous. He said, we want you all to stay. 
in the judiciary, in the police force, and every, every professional department, and so on. So you know, I said, well, you know, that's very interesting. Uh, I don't think the British have got that message. <laughs> they're, they're working on evacuation mode. And then the question came up of why a small number of posts were being reserved for Chinese nationals. And I actually answered the question on China's behalf, if you like. I said, that's pretty normal, isn't it, that you want your very absolutely top posts to be held by your own nationals in the government. Right. And, um, and then one of our delegation asked Lu Ping, is there any way that I could become a Chinese national? And Lu Ping said, you can apply. You see, now the other three members of the delegation laughed but thinking, you know, waste paper baskets of the world are full of applications. Right. <laughs> but um, I thought, this is interesting, so I made a note of that. When I got back to Hong Kong, I uh, passed through a report to David Ford, who was Secretary for the Civil Service. And he found it very interesting. He actually sent me a copy of China's nationality law in right. English. So I read it then, and I used to say to people after that, oh, well, you can laugh at me now, but you wait till I'm Chinese, you see. Right. And it was sort of a thing I had in the back of my mind. And then in Invest Hong Kong, I was traveling the world and telling people, I'm from Hong Kong, it's the best place in the world for business, but I was doing it all on a British passport, and it mm. didn't seem quite right. So I thought, I want to travel on a Hong Kong passport. How do I do that? And the answer is, of course, you become Chinese. You have right. to naturalize. But w were you aware that you had a get-out-of-jail-free card? I, 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 my line to take on this is absolutely genuine, he said, <laughs> thus burnishing his bullshit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've made no inquiries on this subject. I mean... Because, you, because you can. Because China, you see... British consul generals have queued up to tell me, don't worry, Mike, if, if you can always get it back. And I, said, I am not interested in getting it back. Right. I'm carrying a Hong Kong SAR passport. So uh, that was I'm never the fact. The fact that you could, and not not that you wished to, or you would, but if ever it became, it was never part of your mindset. No, that, no? never. I wanted to travel, and after that, it was magical. All over the world, it was. Uh, whenever I was making a speech to a business group, the North Texas mm. College of Commerce or whatever uh, Chamber of Commerce, uh, I could say, you know, uh, you've put your money where your mouth is. Yes, and. Mm. Uh, what about Shanghai then? Everyone says uh, the future Shanghai, and I could say, well, we Chinese people are very proud of Shanghai. You see? Right. And well, they'd be laughing. Is, is the future Shanghai? No, of course not. Is Hong Kong on a roll forever? Provided we keep up our traditional strengths. Which Rule are? Rule of law, mm -hmm. uh, independent judiciary, common law system. Do you see any of these being weakened? Oh, I see some people... Uh, almost absent-mindedly trying to give them away, mm. but I don't see us deliberately doing it as a city, as a community. No. So how do we get through 2047? Because I mean, that's that's end game. That's, when that's it's, not the end game. We're supposed to be no. seamlessly united. You're not paying attention. Right. The lease for Hong Kong Disneyland runs for a hundred years. Right. Every piece of land that the government sells this year does not end in 2047. It runs for 50 years from a current date. Right. But so still, politically, seven is not the end of the road. But politically, we're meant to be so. The currency is meant to be unified no, by that. No, no, no. Just roll forward. You really think? Absolutely. I'm no. I listen. I'm going to be around in 2047. I'll only be 99 years old. Right. But I'm determined to be here just to prove all the negative people wrong. My gosh, that's a terrific point to end on. Thanks very much indeed. Pleasure.